0: I'm Terrence Dix. Welcome to Who's on Target. Welcome to Who's on Target, the podcast where we discuss the target range of classic Doctor Who books from the 1970s and 80s. If you missed Doctor Who on TV in those pre-DVD days, you missed it forever. Unless, of course, you bought the Target novelisation. So... Jump aboard the TARDIS, set the time rotor for late 20th century Earth, and join us as, with a wheezing, groaning sound, we discuss, analyse and reminisce, who's on target.
1: Hello, this is Michael from
0: Swansea. Welcome to episode two of Who's on Target?
2: This is Alex Gibbons from Exeter and this is Who on Target?
0: This is Greg James from Swansea and welcome to Who's on Target? This time on the podcast we are reviewing
1: Doctor Who and the Tenth Planet, written and published by Jerry Davis in 1976. The first story to feature the appearance of the Cybermen, and the first story to encompass a regeneration on television from William Hartnell to Patrick Troughton. Alex, if you could get us started with your thoughts, please, on this novelisation.
2: The Doctor seems to take more of a back step in this book, I think because it's the Hartwell regeneration book, so he's not meant to be a sort of fourth runner of the book. Characters of you know, the station where they, they arrive are more important than him, I, I found. What, what did you lot think?
1: I think so. He does take a back seat. I mean, with our foreknowledge now, we know Hartnell was very ill, don't we? Yeah. Um, so that, obviously that's been in- incorporated into the story. I yeah. think it was written in the mid-70s, wasn't it? The
2: 1970 version.
0: So who was your standout character? Do you think, Alex? In in this, uh,
2: I think maybe Ben. I think he's the main sort of standout character. He sort of comes across as the main action hero in it. I think. Yeah,
0: that's interesting.
1: I think he is the hero. I am. I have become quite fascinated with the the, the character of General Cutler. I think it is a classic tale of a descent into madness.
2: Oh. Definitely, definitely. is that that he starts off as sort of semi-likable and then slowly goes madder and madder.
1: As you say, he is semi-likable and perhaps there's the odd line where he shows a little bit of compassion as you go through the book. But then he'll just totally wipe that out by doing something crazy and aggressive and you can really see him starting to panic really by the time of his his demise.
2: Oh, oh, definitely. And there's the the whole bit where you, you think he's quite... Likeable, and then all of a sudden, oh no, we'll release the said bomb, we'll kill Mondes, we'll get rid of everything. It's, you know, it's like he has a complete, there are comparisons between him and a cyberman, I think, the way they're completely heartless by the end of, you know, by the end of the book, he doesn't have any morals, I don't think.
1: That's true, that's an excellent way of looking at it, isn't it?
0: Yeah, that's really interesting, actually, you said that, Alex. I like it, I didn't think... of. I mean, I don't know what Mike's going to say. I know he's got a lot to say about um, Cattler, because you're you're taken with the character.
1: I'm really taken with him. I don't know what it is, it just stands out for me.
2: Well... Well, He's, sorry, not writing, but he's, he does seem to be the, the main sort of person in the book, and he guides the whole book, because I, I don't know if it was you, but I found there was a lot of sort of scientific jargon in this book, and it can become a bit dry without a character like the Doctor to sort of keep you going And I found.
1: As you said, you said he's the main driving character, and I had actually written in my notes, he is a controlling influence. That's yeah, definitely,
2: definitely. Both either. for the
1: narrative itself and his own journey as a character.
0: Yeah. You know, he's
1: obviously you know, yeah. we have the family ele- element of his son being on this mission and he's trapped Every time he even starts to show compassion, the way he's re- I- you, you can see him close up again, can't you, and become obsessed with the the mission of it, you know, the the du- doing your duty instead of oh, showing utter compassion for yourself.
2: Duty over, sort of, you know, I'm going to be the commander. I don't care about my son, even though he's sort of going to maybe die on the planet. And it's like I just wonder—is it the moral of the soldier, really?
1: Yeah, it's literally to the point, isn't it? The moral of a soldier, as we've just seen in series eight again. Yes.
0: And yes, the
1: moral of a soldier, really.
0: My note. I've said, really, the book is Cutler's. I, I feel that um, the whole story there centres around him and controlling nature of it. It seems to be... I mean, the Doctor takes a sideline very much, which... I was quite surprised about. Yeah, it does suit the
1: story in Cutler's Journey, doesn't it? Because the Doctor would be that part of his conscience, wouldn't he? Yeah, the doctor, yeah de- the definitely. Would... If,
2: if he was on full sort of throttle Doctor, he would be egging him on, asking why you're doing it, because it's sort of more of a back step for the Doctor. He's definitely allowed to do what he wants, really.
0: Could I ask, um, Alex, so generally, you you finished the book this afternoon... Yeah. ...and you, you, you said earlier that it's a good story, you enjoyed it. So what are your general... Impressions of the book.
2: Well, it's 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 a very sort of technical, dry with more action to cover the fact that the, the the doctor's not the main character. So if you're, it's it, I don't know. I think I think you could still get by again if you didn't know anything about Doctor Who. I think with it, but I think there's more intonation to knowing more about the companions though the backstory i I do find it interesting there's a whole sort of backstory at the beginning of the book so in case you were coming from it for not knowing it gives you enough to sort of read it and understand the whole sort of journey sort of polly and ben are taking really throughout the book but I, I don't know. I, th- I think because we're used to the doctor being there so much throughout the storyline, that it, it semi didn't work for me, even though you did have characters who were sort of strong as the doctor, Yeah. Yes. And
1: something yeah. I literally scribbled on my notes about 20 minutes ago is that Cutler, the word Cutler, it has the word cut in it. That sort of. <laughs> I think that adds to the aggression of the character, doesn't it? You know? Yeah. I, it's like Cutlass. sits. Yeah, definitely. You know, a a I weapon, an instrument of uh, destruction, really. It's, yeah, that's a really But good then point. again.
0: No, I just said that was a really good point, my I like that when you you mentioned yeah.
1: that, yeah. No, but um, then again, that links to what Alex said about destruction. He is like a Cyberman. Yes, Cutler. He's an he's a weapon of destruction. That's ultimately what Cybermen are, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I I, I noticed that because I I didn't really pick up on that, Alex. But when you said it um, a little earlier, I really thought, oh, hold on, we, we've really got this idea here. Mike with the, with the cut, and you with the he's replicating a Cyberman, and it really sort of. Uh, makes it a stronger story doesn't it
2: yeah definitely it has those elements i reckon and Maybe in the book, we I don't know, I know, because it's in the notes, about about humanising the Cybermen and giving them names as adds sort of more human dimensions to them than they're meant to have, really, I think.
0: And something, you know, going back to the, to the language as well, I, I noticed that there's more scientific language, you said, Alex, as well.
2: Oh, I yeah, totally. It's all this sort of thing about, you know, the mission control language, language of you know, the, of the spaceship up in space, and sort of all the countdowns and understanding, you know, you, you know it's NASA sort of Houston sort of terminology.
0: Yeah. Well, it's quite interesting because in the um, the afterword where they where they look at it in in the in the anniversary edition that we've all looked at, it says in there, doesn't it, that I think is it ISS. He gives it about six different names throughout yeah. the book. Yeah, yeah, He changes them constantly. But I was quite surprised, bearing in mind that um, it's a book aimed at children. One, I was taken with how violent it gets, and but I, I was quite surprised some of the some some of the uh, the language in there is quite strong. We've got a Christ in there as well. Yeah, in, yeah. yeah. Uh, but also, um, some of the language, I, I love, for example, um, I had to get my dictionary out on page three, <laughs> I think it was, for Vernia. I've no idea what Vernia was. What is that exactly that? Well, that exactly what my, that's exactly what I thought, Alex. But uh, it's, it's a really um, scientific word, which is, it's the technical name for the scale, which is how you set up a telescope to look at a particular position on the sky. Fantastic. Uh-oh. Yeah, so I mean that's, um, and also he's got these words like retinascope, which I thought, um, you know, he's, he's making these up. that's really interesting. But the other one which got me as well were singlets and two necks. But you never hear those said. <laughs> no, you? It's,
2: it's definitely from that period. You just have the one thing these days. Well, we
1: don't forget at the time, what we must mention is that when it was written, both the television version and the later novelisation, this was set in the mighty future of 1986 then, wasn't
0: it? Mike, do you want to talk now um, a bit more about Cutler or Alex?
1: I think I've said most of what I want to say about him, really. Um,
0: You've said that his his control, you know, his controlling personality in it but he does lose control at the end when his um, his son is killed, or so he thinks. What do you think about that part there?
1: I think he is fighting that need to control and the need for compassion he feels towards his son throughout the book, and I think he just fi- he finally snaps at the end, doesn't he?
0: Is that is that your idea of it as well,
1: Alex? I mean, he's, he's, yeah, I've,
2: I think there is a sort of loss of sort of complete empathy towards everyone. He thinks his family's gone. You know, it's it's the side mental adopt his fault so he just completely loses it and you, you don't understand what in it. you can just see him as this angry man with no compassion.
0: Yeah, yeah, which is where the the violent aspect. He he pulls out. They call them carbines in here. Is that you know? Is it, which I'm assuming is a gun. Another great <laughs> word. It sounds like part of a car to me, but I don't. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I think it's some form of early rifle or something like that. I think of course,
0: I think ah, I heard you had you before. Yes. Is that what? Right. Okay. Okay. Carbine rifle. yeah. Yeah. So, but when he pulls the um, does he have a pistol out as well? Do he pulls a pistol? Out? Yeah, I, yes, I, I think
2: I'm so. one of the Cyberman's
0: guns as well. Oh yes, yeah. And he actually um, puts it right to I think Ben's chest. Ben's head in the
2: uh, radiation room,
0: doesn't he? That's right. That's, that's right. right. He
2: shoots it at
1: Ben's head. Yeah, just as they are coming in on the yeah. second wave, aren't they? Because
0: yeah. if yeah, because if the scientist um, doesn't hit his hand, he would have killed him.
1: Yes, that's very very shocking.
0: Do you think thinking of the character of Ben? I mean, I think chapter four. It might be chapter four. He's really heroic, isn't he? He's oh, he's,
2: really... he's, he's totally heroic, and he. he you know, I, I know like like the whole Danny Pinky. Now they brought him in because they needed a pretty boy, basically. And you can see he by this by this story, he has really turned into sort of semi-hero. He's not just some good-looking thing and nice you know, look at what you're watching. He is running the whole story. He is the person you want to be rooting for in the book I found. You know, it's just scenes where Polly does her normal sort of screaming and being the sort of captive person where Ben is the person you're rooting for the whole book. You know, you're thinking you know, why doesn't the doctor, though he's very ill throughout the book, think more of him basically? You know he's the sort of hero you should have there, really. I
1: think in terms of the T V show, isn't it, it's he joins them in the story before, doesn't he? The war machines, Ben and Polly. So they've not had a great amount of time. <clears> no to travel book, with him, so probably no in the, the book. Dog.
2: They're saying there's three or four
1: adventures. Oh, they've they do had say before. that, right?
2: Yeah,
0: they change. They change that in the book, doesn't he? Jerry Davis changes that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Because I'd
0: yeah. forgotten that bit. Yeah, but no. <laughs> but, but it is. It is right. We. we are, they were only in for t- two stories, was it? I think, I think
1: so. Yeah. Can I also yeah. mention as well? Now you've just said about Ben being heroic. The counterbalance to that is, is humor, isn't it?
2: Oh yes. The I mean, whole duchess thing, the whole—he
1: is the, almost the antithesis of Cutler in that respect, isn't he? You know?
2: Yeah, I, I would say that because Cutler doesn't have any humour or humanity. Yeah. He's just—he's just there yeah. as I like the Cybermen. They're going to do something good for me. You know, they might get my son back. So it's sort of I'll do anything to get rid of these aliens who are not helping, like Ben and Polly. Really.
1: Yes, I mean—is there a case for calling Cutler a psychopath? Do you think? <sighs> Or Maybe the big ones are coming out now. Yeah. Well, there, <laughs> well,
0: we both tuck in a sharp and take a breath there as well. Psychopath. This is interesting because I've got a note here, um, and I thought this was was great. General Cutler undid his tunic, something he only did in extreme emergencies. <laughs> 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 dun dun dun! Yeah. Tunic man. <laughs> Which well. I thought is strange, really, because. We all seem to think that he's he's a bit psychopathic a bit uh, and uh, or certainly that he's losing control and yet he's shown as a sort of quintessential Englishman there really isn't yeah, it? yeah
1: it's that uh, air of uh, probably a little bit campness on the weekend isn't it what he gets to yeah, uh, he, what he gets to in his own t- time with <laughs> Mrs Cutler if she's still around <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah,
2: I, do, I do like this you now a bit towards Ben it's the sort of whole reference and the funniest with the whole bit with the Bond you know, where he you know, sort of oh. kills the, fil- the whole film and they're watching the Roger Milf- Moore film uh, did not work
1: out Is that man from the golden gun isn't it man with the golden yeah, gun, the gun yeah man with yeah. interesting you, you bring us around to Agent 007 though because what we mentioned earlier about seeing all these bases around the world Geneva call me Geneva and everything yes. that's, that's very James Bond-esque isn't it oh
2: totally
1: the movie yeah. World of Bond from the 60s that is that's what comes to mind even when you see the TV version of The Tenth Planet it's done on a lot lower budget and in black and white at the time but it is that whole Bond-esque sort of set up
0: yeah i I thought so I, I I like I think it had ambition the story didn't it you know it definitely. Was, yeah definitely, and with, definitely. yeah and with and I say going back to, to the language I, I I love the way that um the word emergency is put before so many things in this story yeah. yeah there's an emergency buzz an emergency you know call an emergency tanae <laughs> an emergency it, it's a, emergency doctor
1: coming yeah, up mr yeah, trump
2: yeah, yeah, <laughs> did, did you find the introduction of the cyberman scary because I, I quite i find it scary in the tv episode i didn't find it that scary in the book
1: Again, see, we said this about the Daleks last last episode. Yeah. we expect it now, don't we? It's hard to it's oh, hard I to think if, of it. I
2: don't know if we expect it, Mike, but I, I think because you know they were new back then. When I watched 10th *Planet*, it does still give me that free song. You see the Simon for the first time. When I read it, I just thought, you know, the Simon appears. So what? It jumped out. <laughs>
1: It's so well filmed, isn't it? You know the TV version. Obviously, we're trying to move away from talking about that now. But
0: in the TV version, they they do come across as pretty scary, don't they? Yes. When I mean... when, when the introduction is with them, I thought it was pretty effective. But it, but in this, no, they they're just there. It's not. Is that what you felt, Alex? Look, I didn't feel that
2: there was any sort of build up to them appearing there was no sort of cliffhanger there was no sort of you know they appear and then we move to the next chapter it's like don't, yeah it's halfway there. through a
1: chapter i think isn't it when they yeah it's the
2: first chapter and it's like they, they disappear and then we carry on and then somebody gets killed and it's like well you didn't really build that up at all
1: and i do like their voices in the <laughs> I, I prefer think, their yeah. voices then to now i
0: think you know maybe maybe well, yeah. about
1: the earth shot ones 1981 Excellent, I like those, but...
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, can yeah. I just jump in there, Mike, with that? Because unfortunately, of course, in this novelised version, they don't talk like that. No, that's because true, he, they would... he describes it as they talk later on.
2: Greg has just said what I was about to say, that they actually they don't.
0: They meant to talk like the later ones. Yeah, yeah. Why, why do you think he changed that, Mike? I don't know, because we said it was
1: written in 1976, didn't we?
0: Yeah.
1: And yeah. I think is it only from Revenge of the Cybermen Tom's first encounter with them onwards that they speak like that? Do they no. speak like it? Uh, they
2: still got the sing-songy ones in that one. Because they from, actually uh,
1: interesting fact, really, isn't it? They skipped... that. we didn't have an adventure with the Cybermen until no, the Five Doctors. I think, it's the,
2: think the first time they speak quite deep is from the Peter Davison one. Yeah, but
1: that was actually after this normalisation. Yeah,
2: I no, was that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm yeah, saying. I think but
1: Revenge the, of the Cybermen is, is the first time we see them with sort of the, the design for Earthshock, Shock, isn't it?
2: Yeah, we yeah, have the black handle
0: yeah, on the head. Yeah, yeah
2: but they've yeah. got that in the, this book. They've got some of the um, Cybermen have the black head.
0: Yes, they yeah. do. They do. Yeah, um, they because I was quite surprised because I thought that was a Tom Baker when, um, which obviously we we know it yeah. was now. It was. not yeah. but just to establish the voices. He doesn't describe uh, In Tomb of the Cybermen and Moonbase. Do they have the sing-songy voice in there?
2: It's my only service as well since I've heard the audio version, but well, um, I believe they do have the sing-songy still.
1: Right. Yeah, I think Tomb they do like, on the TV version. I know
2: what, I know. if we look at other audio things, we look at the things like uh, what Nick Briggs has done for uh, Big Finish, They still most of the ones he uses are the sing-songy ones.
0: Right, so, it, so could it be, I wonder, did Jerry Davis, when he was writing this, try and bring it up to date maybe by changing well, the voices I
2: think so because the time this version we were reading was 76 so it would have been probably trying to get people thinking of the new Cybermen probably yeah that
0: that makes absolute sense doesn't it That because um, yeah, yeah. 74 would have been Revenge of the Cybermen yeah so yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense I
2: have to I actually like the regeneration better in the book than
0: the TV. Very
1: interesting because we, we have three different opinions here because I'm a bit, bit marmite about it. I'm not sure if I like it or not. But I got you this I got you this evening and Greg said he didn't really like it. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yes. My big question for this episode is Is the regeneration improved by the story?
2: Like, I, I'm thinking because I quite, I, I, in a way, I actually like the description of the regeneration better in the book. But I really like the way they first did a regeneration. That that sort of put the benchmark down as you know how you do a regeneration. To. Russell got it even better, I think.
1: That's the existing footage they have found, isn't it, on someone's cine camera? That is
2: true. That is a good bit. I do like that bit. But I I just think Maybelline visually is a very visual moment. I actually like the description in the book a bit better these days. But I can see it from both angles. I I really like the way they first did a regeneration. That was... You can see that was something completely not tried before and very different and it works.
1: I think it does add to the drama, though, in the book. It would add to the drama if you could visualise it on television. It would add to the drama if they had Hadn't seen this man, but they hadn't seen the flash of light, which they don't in the book. Do really. It happens in a different room, doesn't it? Uh, it's the that's in the
2: same yeah. room. we don't get any of the flashing light. He's sort of like Ben pulls him out of the sort of couch thing, and he's and you don't see his face, but it is um, Trouton.
0: I was about to ask you why you prefer this one because the, the thing the thing that I like about the television one is that we actually, as you, as you said earlier, we actually see his face changing into the Doctor to leave the viewer in no doubt that this is the Doctor, but in this version, he—we don't see his face. It's his hands changing. So what what do you like really like about that, Alex?
2: I I just think it, it's it's more it's a more subtle thing and it's like you, you it's a slow maybe a slightly bit slow and a bit more sort of how if you were regenerate your body would probably go you know, your hands probably would go first and then the rest of you comes and then but I I don't know because of the way it ends you know he just goes you know I, I, hello I'm your Ben and Polly and I'm I'm the new doctor and it's like it's a bit anticlimax in the way I reckon so I agree the one in the TV is good as well because it it gets you from William Hartwell to Patrick Trouton without you know you definitely know it's changing so I think both works maybe
1: but I am fascinated now by future regeneration stories in Target and what will they be like Will they mention the hands again? and, You know, you've mentioned sh- hands is well, very much seen something in the new series, isn't it? You know, you get Christopher no, Eccleston no, looking then, at his hands.
2: I was about to say when when they've all seemed to regenerate in the new the three new Doctors, it does always seem with that yellow golden light in their hand.
1: David Tennant's hands healed the knee when he kept holding off the regeneration. It was the hands and the face that first sort of regenerated. Well,
0: well do, do you know actually? What, <laughs> You have both brought up some such such good points that I'm actually being uh, I'm actually changing my mind now. I think it, maybe it is such a, a good
1: regeneration. Actually, yes. But obviously, that's to do with the way it's written as well, isn't it? You know, it doesn't. I don't think it grabs you, and this kind of fascinates you to an extent in the y- prose, Yeah. but yeah. it doesn't really grab me in the way that a big whoosh of light would on TV or something. No. I mean, I would love to see the new Star Regeneration described in a book, wouldn't you? That yeah, would be- oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, definitely,
2: definitely.
0: But I think there are a number of inconsistencies in this book which make it a bit jarring. And and one of those is, at the regeneration scene, when the second doc has just regenerated, they don't recognise him, and he says, ah, oh, you two must be Ben and Polly, which struck me as... Well, he knows who they are. It's they don't know who he is. Did that I, I always
2: I wonder with that because I always thought with most regenerations he doesn't really have a, a clue who they who his companions normally are.
1: Yeah, well remember Deep Breath, Capaldi is basically calling Strax Cara, isn't he? So Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, well, I think that's that's written into the post yeah. post regenerative haze now, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I can see what's happening here. It's basically all, all my arguments are being knocked straight <laughs> down oh. by you both. And never mind. My no. geeky, yeah. overly geeky yeah. knowledge. Yeah. Well, no, it's absolutely right, actually, because you, you are reminding me that that is true, isn't it? Yeah. What you say? Yeah. Actually, maybe I'm being a bit too critical of those. Uh, I
1: think. No, I still. If you don't think like it, though, you know, this is the room to say it. And what do you yeah. think at home, mainly, isn't it? What do you yeah, think? We know. Add we your know comments.
0: Email us. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Who's on
1: target at gmail.com.
0: Mike, do you you have anything more to add to the the character? What do you think? Because he does die and his son doesn't die, does he? His son survives. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite
1: a horrific ending, really, in that he thinks his son is dead as well. Yeah, his last memory on Earth must be for such a controlling person, so proud of presumably of his military past that, you know, he's made this decision and possibly his last thought on Earth is, oh, I've killed my son or I haven't acted in a way that could have saved my son. We see it as his son has survived.
2: I suppose in a little way there are military aspects to Ben because of being a sailor and that, the same sort of aspects of have to do these things because, you know, it's what a sailor would do and sort of, I think that's where the action stuff comes with Ben I reckon because it's sort of the stereotype of what a sailor would do, he'd be blunt and be forward and always try and help and get, you know, into the action really.
1: I think Ben has the perfect balance to be a military man, whereas Cutler doesn't, does he? Cutler is in in the wrong type of job. Whether he started off more idealistic and just became that way because of the job, that would be an interesting character study, wouldn't it?
0: I absolutely love the line at the end of the chapter where it says, we are probably about to start the first interplanetary war. And I thought that was really exciting. I think as a child, that would be great.
1: It makes you want to cheer, doesn't it? It does. It does. Right. Alex, I believe you wanted to comment on the characterization of Polly in the uh, Planet yes. novelizations. of Polly.
2: The characterization of Polly is an interesting one in this book because it's like the only female character's perspective you get to see, really. And it does have the slight downside of having a sort of nineteen fifties coming to nineteen sixties outlook. I think of you know how women were perceived back then, really you know, not being the sort of hierarchy, in higher the hierarchy basically. They were sort of, you know, you will make the coffee, you will make the tea, that's the and that's your only important job. Where we've seen in Doctor Who over the years, you know, more sort of sort of strong female characters and we look at people like Rose and Teagan as been much more stronger characters. And she's so sort of the first one who put put this forward and unfortunately in this book because it's obviously written by a man, it comes over as the normal sort of, you all make the tea, you all the coffee, you know, When she asks, what can I do? And that's all they give her as a job, as a role, is he's not really thought of anything special, really.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if the Doctor hadn't taken a backseat, how he would have reacted with her, because, I mean, we do say that the stereotype is of the Screaming Companion, isn't it? But if you look at Barbara, she is so strong from the very beginning. I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean the they have the foil, I suppose, the foil if it's a stereotype of Susan being the, the one who screams and, because she's young.
0: That's that's a that's a but, very good point, But actually, the yeah.
1: teacher's role of Barbara, not just the teacher role, the fact that Jackie Hill's such a strong presence anyway. Yeah in the yeah. T V show and then she's written in that first Doctor Who and the Daleks that we reviewed last episode. Yeah. She is a very strong character, you know, a good a good team with Ian.
2: I was just gonna say that's a good point because when got strong character of Barbara all the way for the first book, or well, with our second one we're looking at, it's sort of Polly's trying to be strong but because of the people she's around are sort of demeaning her and saying no you're just the woman you know you're just here to make the tea and coffee you're not here to do the important stuff
0: yeah, yeah yeah it's it's rather like when um Verity Lambert was in charge and she put um the, the characters in we had every character was really strong but they, i mean i know susan started to get weaker and weaker as it went on
1: that's but, a rather point because you've gone by that had you gone to like Ennis Lloyd's producer by the time Hartnell left?
2: I think uh, you know, I, a
1: man I, was back in charge again, so practical. yeah, was, definitely you know, yeah, they were yeah. brushed to one side the female characters for yeah, a Yeah,
0: that's interesting, and maybe I wonder because we are talking about the novelisation here, and and you said Alex as well that the problem comes with the novelisation, really, isn't it? He portrays her as as that oh, sort of. You know, a weak will per woman who's only good enough to make the coffee, really.
2: Yeah, it's definitely because it's unf- you know, because it's written for you know, by a man, so it's a man's perspective for that period as well, I reckon. Yeah. So it does downsize her, it does downgrade her, I reckon.
1: I, I mentioned that first scene before, where she's like, Polly is objectified straight away, isn't she? Because the, the crew are below in the base, and one of them looks at the periscope and says, um, oh, there's some figures out there. Yeah. Somebody thinks someone's joking, and one of them says, oh, it's a woman.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then
1: immediately you have the stereotype of the Italian saying, "Oh, mamma mia, woman, you know, yes. let me fight, fight my way to the
0: periscope." And it's quite poor, isn't yeah, the it? Yeah, it is objectified, yeah. from the very start, really. And
2: then, there's the whole thing with the, you know, what clothes he's wearing throughout the book, and it's sort of the, the mini skirt, and though it's, though it's a symbol of the '60s, it's also sort of symbol, of sort of slight sexism, you know, what you'd think a woman would wear, basically. Not getting sort of the North Pole, which is going to be very cold. Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. yes.
1: Yes, Alex, and um I feel before we sort of wrap up whenever, we need to say more about the doctor's role, don't we? This is Yes. Obviously this is written for television first. We know Mr Hartnell's very ill at the time. He needs more time away from the role, but he is sidelined certainly, isn't he, for quite a lot of quite a lot of the story. I mean, well...
2: I'd say about three-thirds of the story. And you're thinking, well, we know that from the TV. They could have easily have changed it for the novelisation. I reckon they should have had more Doctor, definitely.
0: Yes. Mm. I, I feel very strongly that as well. It was. Um, I, I agree with Mike definitely that um, Cutler is a very strong character. It's very interesting. And again, with you, Alex, that you know Ben is a very, very strong action figure in here. And quite pretty heroic but wh- where's the doctor
1: I mean yes I mean it sort of sets the tone for me for the trepidation you feel up to, up to the most recently with Matt Smith when you know we obviously know nowadays when a doctor's last story is coming don't we well yeah you
2: can see it you I can see it There's I don't like a think a mile
1: away yes I mean it's you almost don't watch it in the same way do you it's no
2: but that's why you know the doctor's
1: really... never going to be full of energy in his last story do you you know we saw it with Matt growing so old and Tom Baker back in Legopolis had been there for seven years and he's just so generally pissed off looking <laughs> In that.
2: Yeah, but with the Tom one, you, you knew
0: it was yeah. didn't. You sort of. Yeah. D- yeah, yeah. You the idea with the Watcher, bit. don't you? How did you first come to this story? Did you read this when you were a child?
2: Because it was one of the hundreds of them i got through when i was younger and i i think i did read it and i think it probably had more of an impact on me because i don't think i had seen the tv version back then so i was going straight from the book so it was like i have a feeling it was like one of the first regenerations i read so i have a feeling it did have a bit more of an impact back on me that then than it does now because now i'm taking it from seeing the you know the recent version of the tenth planet we've had where we can see the regeneration and we you know, we've had that. Now you read it in the book, and it is good. And I slightly like the way they changed it in the book, but I, I still think it's it's not the greatest book, to be honest.
1: It's it's okay for me. I mean, when you, when you speak about seeing it for the first time, can I just digress to the TV version? If anybody out there actually remembers seeing it as a child before episode four was lost, then it, it would be wonderful to hear from you because, you know, I'm obviously going to have to berate you for not having a cine camera at the time and filming it. But i um, only joking. <laughs> you know, it's, it's such a fascinating myth around this story, isn't there? Because, you know, yeah. is it stuck at the BFI? Is it down a corridor in the old BBC centre? We, yeah.
2: Well, we'll never know.
1: No, no. Has Mr. Morris found it? Is it in some some sort of factory in Wigan? Or you is know, uh...
2: well, it still somewhere in a, a Shanghai warehouse You know, sitting on a, you know, a shelf of other tapes?
1: Yeah. One yeah. day one day it shall come back, uh, as a well, famous man so. might once have said.
0: Uh, personally, I think it's still in the Blue Peter studio somewhere because that was the last place it was before it disappeared. They, they, they took it there to show that regeneration scene It disappeared from there,
1: didn't Yeah, they? perhaps it, it ended up in one of Shep- Old, yeah. or in the old boxes or buried,
0: in the, or buried in the garden somewhere probably you know you said alex about this air of mystique because i i'd never seen the tv series when this came out and my memory of this book is knowing that it was going to be released and my mother taking me on a trip on the train to cardiff from swansea and i think you know it was probably john menzies or wh smith and uh I'm picking up this coffee, copy and I couldn't wait. And as soon as we were on the train, I started reading it then because I knew it was Cybermen and the First Regeneration.
2: Oh, yeah, well, that would have been brilliant. Don't yeah. say to so, so think about that way, yeah. it would have been brilliant having those two things.
1: Guys, are we going to score out of 10 again? Did, did you mention the word something's missing just then, Alex? Yeah. Yeah, I think
2: that... I don't know what... I couldn't put my finger on it exactly what I just feel there's something missing. It, it might be the sort of lack of the Doctor being in the whole story. you know. Yeah,
1: I was just about to say that. I said it's something we've all mentioned. Perhaps you weren't aware of it but you just made yourself aware of it again. Yeah. He is missing for a large part of the story, isn't he? But it's almost... Could we call it a Doctor-like story in the modern parlance?
2: Yeah, I think so yeah. because, yeah. You, you know, you do get storylines now where the Doctor's not in it completely and it seems to work. I
0: don't know why that is now. No, no, I don't know why it is now. But I don't think it works in this one. Uh, and when that line is mentioned, where he's been sleeping for a while, and then he says, "This old body of mine's wearing a bit thin," I immediately thought, "I'm missing the character, the doctor." That's it's, it's his he, journey. You want
2: the you want the, the sort of character characteristics of william you know william harper's doctor you want the more grumpiness you want the yeah. arguments between you, know, you used to get between Chesterton and it you want yeah. ben to be a bit more you know it just seems lacklustre it seems to run completely on the relationship between ben and polly really
1: the morality isn't it it's sort of it's almost skirted over to an extent you just have cutler in there who is basically a very very broken moral compass isn't he you know he's oh yeah distorted. Totally. there's no no you know he, doesn't, no know, sort of,
0: you know, most he doesn't know things, himself you
1: know? really the right and wrong bit there. He doesn't know anything but aggression, you know, in his, his manner, his language. Yeah. His actions.
0: Do you know, I, I think the um, what I would say about this is that the most disappointing thing about this book, at the end of the day, rather than Doctor Light, it just doesn't seem to be truly a Doctor Who story.
2: No, I I, I feel it's it has the sort of outlines of a Doctor Who story. There's, there's something missing. There's the sort of interaction between this sort of mystical creature who we don't Know a great deal about
0: back then. That's a really good point. Do you agree with that, Mike, or are you not so sure? it feels out of place in the story possibly because
1: we know the last episode is missing but we do have the soundtrack we do have this book obviously the regeneration is different but yes to me but it's what I mentioned earlier on about the last story of each Doctor see having a bit of a sombre tone about it doesn't it you know
0: yeah I, I think I, I don't disagree with that well I think it's only the book I'm thinking of when I say I don't think the book comes across as a true Doctor Who story I just
2: think it's missing that big sort of you No, know, the Doctor jumps out of the TARDIS he, does, he sees his character is they have an argument. He doesn't get on with him, you know, and then there's a problem. And he, he assumes everybody feels happy. I don't think there's. That.
1: Well, in terms of scores, I'll tell you now. I gave the Daleks nine. I was umming and aring about giving us yes. eight, but I think I'm going to have to drop down to a seven
0: for this. A seven out of ten for me for this one. Oh, I was thinking
2: going a bit, I was going to give it a six
0: this one. And Alex, I, 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 I'm i agreeing with Alex, I'm giving it a six.
2: The whole problem is, you don't really care.
0: <laughs> that's it actually, Alex. Did you feel that? That's how I felt. I felt I don't really care. It's There's, there's no dramatic narrative, there's no structure there. What, what did you think, mate? That's
1: true, that's just made me think of the characters again really i think cutler is so all-encompassing as a horrible man yes. that you end yeah. up losing empathy for everybody yeah. he, he's in emo- what well, people would call an emotional drain now isn't he now was, he'd walk into a room and people would just be in fear straight away i think they wouldn't no <laughs> he'd no. walk in and everyone would head for the other corner yeah okay. so we've all scored now haven't we we all gave it to well what was the total yeah, One seven yeah. two
0: sixes. so that was 19 out of 30 this week yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I notice with the language as well. Lines, oh, yes. yeah, lines like slightly contemptuous inflection in his voice. That's not for children, is it? That's I I was mis- not going to know what that means. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm 47 and I'm looking this, these things up now. You know, it's. Uh... <laughs> well, I was sitting there thinking what I sort of knew
2: what they were on about. What I was thinking, this is a very dry language. Where's the yeah of humour, where's the sort of, you know... Yes, yes.
0: Can I
1: just say to wrap up, if anyone really likes our version of the theme tune, it's by an excellent musician. You can find his channel on YouTube. It's called Bendy Keys Music. All one word, no spaces. So it's B-E-N-D-Y-K-E-Y-S-M-U-S-I-C. And thank you very much to him for letting us use that. It's a superb
0: arrangement of the tune. Thank you.
2: It's brilliant. It is brilliant.
0: It's fantastic. We love it.
2: podcast and come back again next time to hear our thoughts and hopefully your thoughts by email on Terence Dix's The Abominable Snowman. Thanks for listening.
1: Who's on Target? Podcast 2 featured Greg James Michael Winks and Alexander Gibbons via video call music by media derbyshire Ron grainer arrangement by YouTube user and keys music for copyright infringement intended who's on target podcast 2 recorded in Swansea South Wales during March 2015